The following podcast is part of the MindBodySpirit.fm podcast network. Meditation doesn't have to be a solo practice. Meditation is more fun with friends. Looking for a way to drop in and hang out at the same time? Join us online at Omega Institute for a meditation party with self-proclaimed meditation nerds Dan Harris, host of the 10% Happier podcast, Sabene Selassie and Jeff Warren. This three-day retreat will stream live from Omega's Hudson Valley Campus, May 17th to 19th. Don't miss the party. Reserve your spot at eomega.org slash party today. Exploring our oneness with spirit and each other. Unity Online Radio. Spirit of Recovery, the place where spirituality and recovery meet, with Reverend Anna Schaus, Ph.D. from Soul Matters Ministry in Olympia, Washington. If you'd like to join in the discussion, email us at spiritofrecovery at unity.fm or call into the program with your questions. Now, here's your host, Reverend Anna Schaus. Welcome to the Spirit of Recovery, the place where spirituality and recovery meet, where we support your spiritual growth in recovery. My name is Anna Schaus, and I am your host, and I want to thank you all for listening with us today. We're just glad that you've joined us, and we're glad that uh, you email us and visit us on Facebook and let us know how it's going, and uh, glad that you're participating here with us on the Spirit of Recovery. Every week we bring you uh, guests that are exciting, that are on the cutting edge of recovery, people that are doing what is uh, of real use and a value in the world, and we are just delighted to be able to bring this to you. We're glad also that you're letting your friends and the people in your recovery and unity community know about us here at Spirit of Recovery. Every week we do talk about topics that are important to the recovery community and our guests are down to earth, knowledgeable and innovative and our guests are always people that either are in recovery themselves or people who work with or write for recovering people and people who bring spiritual depth and insight to that recovery process. We bring you practical information that you can use that uh, and lively discussions that get you thinking. You know, you can listen to the Spirit of Recovery in a variety of ways. You can, of course, listen to us through your computer live. You can listen on your um, mobile phone. You can listen uh, on your iPhone. You can listen um, to our archives 25-7, uh, 24-7, not 25, 24-7, uh, anytime you want to, to see all the great programs that we've got archived on there. And again, we'd love you to visit our Facebook page, and thanks for liking us. It's great to get those likes. We want you to know that Spirit of Recovery is a welcoming place, that recovery is a large tent, and that if you're a person who's in recovery from any kind of an addiction, or if you're the family member or friend of somebody that's in uh, active addiction or that's in the recovery process, and whether maybe you're in your own recovery as a family member, or if you're just somebody that's curious, interested in the recovery process, we're very glad that you're listening and part of our Spirit Recovery community, and we welcome you and your participation in our discussions. Uh, we are happy to receive your calls or your emails for our guest and are happy to respond to those on the air. So feel uh, free to do that. You can call 888-558-6489 to call in um, and we'd be happy to receive that. Again, my name is Anna Schaus and I'm your Spirit of Recovery host. I'm a Unity Minister and an Addictions Counselor. I'm also a person who has in my own circle of love and friendship many people with the disease of addiction. And many years ago, those relationships got me started on an active path of personal growth and recovery and spiritual development. So my walk is an integration of the unity principles and the recovery principles. Um, it keeps transforming my life and keeps uh, helping me to live in a deeper um, way I'm grateful and delighted to have the opportunity to share these ideas with you and to hear what you're experiencing in your recovery and in your spirituality. Today, our uh, topic is the Wellbriety Movement, the Native American Wisdom for an Intergenerational Healing. 
And uh, my guest is Don Coyhas. Don is a member of the Mohican Nation, and he is the founder of the Wellbriety Movement. The Wellbriety Movement grounds recovery in the Native American values of family, community, and unity across generations, spirituality, and ceremony. And when these values are brought to bear um, in an intergenerational healing processes, it creates powerful well-being in Native American communities. Don Coyhis, my guest, is, as I said, the founder and president of the well, of White Bison, which is a, 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 a central aspect of the Wellbriety movement. He um, is a recipient of the 2009 Purpose Prize, and this is a, an award given to those who are social innovators who are over 60 years of age who use their passion and experience to take on society's biggest challenges. And Don has done so much in his life to uh, bring recovery to Native American communities and beyond, and he's going to be sharing with us about that today, that wisdom that he brings and uh, what, he's, uh, what he does within Native American communities and in the uh, wider world to really support and deepen the recovery process. You can visit www.whitebison.org, white the color, bison.org, to learn more about the Wellbriety Movement, about Don and all that is happening there. So, Don, welcome to the Spirit of Recovery. Well, thank you very much. We're uh, really glad that you're here with us today. Um, you got started really uh, on, a, on a deepening of your own spirituality and uh, path when you had a vision. Tell us about the vision that got you really on this path of the white bison and the Wellbriety movement. Well, it was, uh, um, I, I was very, very early in my recovery, so I wasn't kind of used to uh, having these visions or, you know, those type of uh, cultural experiences. But I was working at this corporation uh, one day, and um, I should have been very, very happy, but something started to happen inside, and I, I became, like, uh, very depressed, so... And then I had an elder, his name was Johnny Looking Cloud. He was uh, in recovery. He was also a traditional man. And so I went and I talked to him about what was going on with me. And um, what he uh, said after listening for a while, he said, I, I think I need to take you out on a fast. So I want you to go out on the hill. And so um, I went out. <clears throat> um, I went with him. Uh, up in the mountains uh, for four days, and it was there that uh, on that last. Uh, so anyway, I went on this fast with this elder uh, for four days, and it was there. I had this vision of the white bison. It's the first time I had that something of that magnitude happen to me, and um, what happened was uh, the ground started to glow. And all of a sudden, this uh, kind of a white object started to raise out of the ground. And as it continued to raise up, it was a white bison side view. And then it turned and it looked at me with uh, very piercing eyes. And it had a very warm feeling to it. So then uh, it slowly went back down in the ground. So when the elder came up um, and I told him about what went on, he did a ceremony and he said, what that means is you're being called to do something. And he said, if uh, if you were a, um, a Christian, he said, it would have been an angel. But he said, because of who you are, the angel made itself into a shape that you would be uh, familiar with and that you would trust. And he said, uh, and so that was why it took the shape of, uh, of the white bison. And he said, what that means is you're going to be called to do something. And that was the start of a, of a series of life-changing events. I, I had no idea um, that shortly after that I would quit a, a very lucrative job and uh, form a foundation in a garage in Colorado Springs and um, quit uh, doing what I was doing uh, against the advice of, uh, I think, a lot of people who was concerned that thought I was crazy. 
for quitting that job and starting uh, the White Bison um, nonprofit organization. And that's how it started. Mm-hmm. What was your initial idea when you started the White Bison organization? For What were you thinking it was going to be doing, or what was your hope to accomplish through that? <clears throat> well, it was about... Uh, I must have been about four years sober, and I came out of this uh, meeting. It was kind of a gratitude meeting, and uh, you know how sometimes it just—it's it, like it's the right bird that sings, the right wind, the right smell. And I came out of this meeting. And I sat under this tree, uh, along with another friend of mine, and uh, what I came out of my mouth uh, saying is, "I said, um, I know I'm not supposed to pray for myself." But uh, I realized I was sober over four years, and I hadn't cheated, I hadn't sipped, I hadn't, and I'd gone through a lot of issues uh, during those four years, and I realized that what I had run into that allowed me to find that higher power, uh, contrary to how it was when I was drinking, I had not drank, and, um, and things were turning around slowly. So I asked the creator, I said, I know I'm not supposed to um, pray for myself, I said, but if you you would grant a wish, I said, my wish would be that I would be able to spend the rest of my life carrying this message of recovery to our Native communities, because I had, I know how it was on my own reservation, you know, the alcoholism and and stuff, and so uh, that was was the intent of it, was... um, to realize that recovery was possible and what was going on in our communities could be, you know, changed around. And uh, with the help uh, and guidance of Johnny Looking Cloud, I was able to start to uh, integrate those 12 steps that I was working with. I was able to integrate that with, uh, you know, with the culture. Mm-hmm. I found that uh, it wasn't like, I remember I took those 12 steps to this group of elders one time, and I was explaining to them, because um, they weren't in recovery, they were they were just like traditional people, and I was trying to explain to them about these 12 steps. And I was referring it to as a white man's way, and that was the Indian way, and um, when I got done explaining those steps the best that I could to them, when I got done, they said, you know, that's not a white man's way, they said, that's an Indian way. Hmm. And... Um, so they said, when you, a long time ago, we was always in harmony with the earth and the teachings and um, all of nature, and that when we go out of harmony, like drinking, then he said, there's 12 steps that allows us in a natural order to come back to that culture, come back to that ways of the teachings of the, you know, the earth and the culture and the songs and the drum and all of that. So uh, it was like awareness is like that to find out. It, it wasn't, I, I was making it a white man's program, um, and it really wasn't all along. You know, one of my thousands of delusions I had to learn to overcome, you know, in recovery. Mm-hmm. Well, that's wonderful, really interesting that, that the elders saw it as an Indian program. Tell me, what was it about those steps that they thought, yeah, that's that's us, that's how we do it? What was it? Well, um, the way they explained it to me is um, when the Creator created creation, He made it run according to a set of principle, laws, and values then each entity in creation had its own set of laws. So the salmon has a certain set of laws that it has to do, and then the bear and the moose, etc. But also, there were a set of laws made for the, for the human being. So there are certain principles that we, if we follow them, we're different than nature because we have a free will. So you don't have to. But if you... Uh, choose to live that way of life, then <clears throat> you follow these principal laws and values. And so uh, what they said is each one of those steps has a principle, 
has a thing that you are to work on becoming like. So, like, one of the steps is honesty. So you need to work on becoming honest. And another one is hope. So you're going to, you know, have hope. And uh, the only thing they said that they would change was, is they said, is that those 12 steps should be in a circle. There was nothing wrong with the wording, but they said it's a lot easier to see how it works if it's in a circle. So they put steps one, two, three in the east. So that would be like a new sun, new day, new beginning. Mm -hmm. Then the teaching of that is that's the direction that you find your relationship with God or the higher power or your creator. Then you go to the south, and that's steps four, five, and six, the inventory steps. And so those are the steps where you find yourself. So by the time you're done with those three steps, you now know your strengths and your weaknesses. Then step seven, eight, nine in the West, uh, those are the amends. Uh, and so what you do there is uh, you set yourself right with all the people that you hurt, stole from. you got to go set yourself right. And the reason for that is we live in an interconnected system of, uh, of our relatives. We're all connected to, like, to the trees, to the wind, to the air to the earth, we're all connected to that. And so even uh, when I got into my amends um, in the West, Johnny Looking Cloudy even had me make my amends to the earth. So if I threw things on her or I was putting, doing things that wasn't appropriate, then what I had to do is make amends and then not do that again. And so in the East was uh, finding uh, your relationship with a higher power of God in the South was finding yourself. In the West was finding your relatives, making your relationships right. And then in the North, 10, 11, 12, then those are the elders' teachings. And so then that is where you have your maintenance to keep yourself in a corrective mode when you do something, something wrong. And once I put the steps in a circle, it seems so natural that that's the way it was in harmony with how my thinking was versus seeing them in a straight line. Thank you, Don. Thank, that's really, I love that, how that idea of, of the steps embodying, you know, deep universal principles for people. And I love that idea of them in a circle. It's time for our break. My guest is Don Coyhis. He is uh, the president and founder of White Bison and the founder of the Wellbriety Movement, the Native American uh, movement wisdom for intergenerational healing and recovery. We're going on break. We'll be right back. Stay with us. Online Radio is bringing the message of unity to tens of thousands of spiritual seekers around the world. If you have been served by this programming, we invite you to support it by visiting www.unity.fm and clicking on Donate Now. Thank you for your support. Who are we? Who is God? And what is our life's purpose? Author and minister Ogan Holder found his answers the hard way. Through inner turmoil and doubt, with candor and humor, he shares why it's good to doubt, even if you're a minister, in Rants to Revelations, new from Unity Books. Simply put, to doubt myself is to doubt God. If I embrace God as the very operating principles of the universe the connecting space between us, the fabric of existence, and that I am the physical embodiment of all that, then how could there be room for doubt in myself? My salvation lies in the following premise. Doubt is the beginning of faith. Read more from Rants to Revelations and order your copy today. Visit RantsToRevs.com. Does the idea of being a vegetarian or a vegan intrigue you? Is it something you've pondered? 
Listen each week as Victoria Moran, author of Main Street Vegan, shows you how to make the shift to a sustainable lifestyle for both you and the planet. Each week you'll learn about the latest on the vegan life. It's not just for celebrities and moguls, but for people just like you who want to look and feel amazing, eat extraordinary food, help animals, and create a physical body perfectly attuned to spiritual growth. Guests will range from unity ministers to vegan authors, activists, physicians, chefs, and even some of those glittery celebs. There'll be recipes, ideas, tips for going vegan at your own pace, and ways to make a difference for animals and the planet at every meal. Tune in Wednesdays at 2 p.m. Central Time for Main Street Vegan, only on Unity Online Radio, the voice of an awakening world. You're listening to Spirit of Recovery, the place where spirituality and recovery meet with Reverend Anna Schaus, Ph.D., If you'd like to share your questions, comments, and experience with today's topics, call us now or email us at spiritofrecovery at unity.fm. We now return to Spirit of Recovery. Welcome back to Spirit of Recovery. We're very glad that you're with us today. My name is Anna Schaus, and I'm your host. And if you're just joining us, our topic today is the Wellbriety Movement, Native American Wisdom for Intergenerational Healing. And my guest is Don Coyhis. He's the founder and president of White Bison Organization, and he is a member of the Mohican Nation, and he is the founder of the Wellbriety Movement. And Don is also a recipient of the 2009 Purpose Prize for Social Innovators Over 60 Years of Age who use their passion and experience to take on society's biggest challenges. You can read more about Don and White Bison and the Wellbriety Movement at www.whitebison.org. And Don has been uh, sharing some really great wisdom with us. Before I get back to my conversation with Don, I'd ask you to join me in a moment of meditation, a moment of quiet, our serenity minute. So I invite you to relax to breathe, and to share with me this constructive idea, and then a time of quiet. I trust God's vision for me. I trust God's vision for me. And now we take a moment in the quiet. Thank you, friends, for joining me in the Serenity Minute. And I trust that that was an opportunity for you to uh, feel that presence of your higher power. And now I'm back to my conversation with my guest, Don Coyas. We have a caller on the line. Her name is Winona, and Winona's got a question or a comment for Don. Let's uh, welcome Winona. Thanks for calling into Spirit of Recovery. Hello. Okay, um, I'm from Don's tribe, um, the Stackridge Muncie Band of Mohicans. I am a member of a family with an alcoholic in it, and I, I wanted to know what the recovery perspective was for people who are trying to, you know, help the family members of alcoholics. I've been a part of several groups that are addressing this issue, and I'd like to, you know, work on my own recovery as, you know, as alcoholism is a family disease but also to, to support the family member that who is an alcoholic. Great. Thanks, Winona. So, Don, what would be a well-briety perspective uh, for Winona as a family member? Um, well, it is a family disease. And um, I think when you look at uh, maybe using nature like as a forest, then... If there's a disease that's in that forest, then that disease affects all the trees. It doesn't just affect, you know, itself, really, is it just by itself. So um, our experience is this, especially in the Native communities, is um, the, the 
the damage that was done to us, even our tribe, uh, it's very evident if you look at it, uh, our tribe was, um, we had boarding schools um, in Red Springs, also up on our, on our reservation. And uh, what happened in those boarding schools is very, very damaging in that idea that the culture was taken away. And so one of the, the things that is difficult for us in our native communities is, even though we're seeing a presence of, of uh, AA in our native communities, we don't see a strong movement with the Al-Anon in um, many of the places I have visited, so much non-existent. And consequently, you don't see anything around the Alipine uh, that's there. And so... Um, it, it, it's, it doesn't take very much if you have a person that has the disease of alcoholism uh, and you spend a lot of time trying to make sense out of insanity. Uh, I think in my family when I was drinking, um, they were always trying to figure me out and trying to make it make sense about what I was doing was so uh, so far out of harmony that very often you can end up being as sick or as sick as the person that's drinking. And um, that kind of plays out in uh, in issues around uh, codependency or, you know, ACOA issues. And so um, part of the well-variety movement, we, we actually had to create cultural-based programs that addressed the things around the family on how is it you you uh, uh, help the family get healthy, whether the alcoholic is sober or not. And it's not an easy thing to do. Uh, you, you know, that it's such, it's such a destructive thing that alcoholism, you know, is. But it is possible, you know, to, uh, to heal. And I, I believe that... Uh, when I, I I was married at the time, and I always say this about why I probably got sober. One was I believe I had intervention from God. Uh, two, I think my family was praying for me. And three, my wife went to Al-Anon. And when um, when I remember the weekend that she figured out how Al-Anon worked, my life changed tremendously. Uh, because she put enabling, uh, she kind of scared me. I thought they were uh, indoctrinating her or something, but she saved my life. What did she, she do that exactly, got your attention, Don? She started working on herself, and she was able to separate out what was hers and what was mine. And uh, the other thing is she quit. she quit covering for me. If I wrote a bad check, or I didn't show up for work, or whatever I did, um, she um, didn't cover for me no more. She made mm-hmm. me responsible, you know, for for what I did. And so uh, she had she learned that she had to take care of herself. And the kids at that time went to Alateen. They still talk about it. My oldest boy is forty. He still talks about what, what Alateen did for him, you know, during those those drinking years. Mhm. Mhm. Winona, thank you. Is there you so much. on our red? Go ahead. Winona, you still with us? Yes. Is there Alateen yes, there? Do we have Al? Do we have Do we have on our red? Um, you know, I'm not even sure. Oh. I I know I was doing I was doing a group over over the telephone for six months through. Women of Wellbriety, and what yeah. I was running into is a lot of people were having a hard time grasping that it was a family disease. They didn't know where to start. They were very focused on the alcoholic, and they didn't know how to take care of themselves. Oh, I know. Um, uh, if you just kind of watch the website, have you ever heard of a, or heard of Nanakoa? No, I haven't. It's called, it's stood for a, a Native a National Association for Native American Adult Children of Alcoholics. Watch for the website because exactly what you're talking about. We are going to be launching a national conference 
a whole movement just around the, the family aspects of um, of alcoholism. So that would be on the whitebison.org website she, that we would find Yeah, that. watch the White Bison site. We're, we're just a couple of weeks away from announcing the, the date and all that time, and it will be just perfect for what you're, you're saying because you're not alone. Many, many families are really struggling with exactly, you know, how it's like, how, why should you even have to work on it when it's causing all the problems, you know? type of thing, and how is it you take a look at yourself, you know, in that issue. So uh, it is possible to do it. Al-Anon is, is, um, is very good in that, that way to do that. Family groups are good if that person knows how that disease of alcoholism works, and they know it is a family disease. So, Winona, thank you for calling. Yeah. Do you have some other comments for thank Don? You. I have been following his work for a long time. I also had a vision of like a white turtle with a rainbow. And I'm hearing you how you stood up to answer the call of the white bison has deeply moved me to find out what it is exactly that I'm being called to do. And, you know, seeing you work so hard for the people of all nations, all cultures, especially our people, that has always warmed my heart, and I am so grateful for everything that you've been doing for us. Anijik. Well, if, are you from the Turtle Clan? I was told by my cousin that we're Wolf Clan, but I dream of well, turtles the all the time. Yes. You should pay attention to that. Maybe you're being called to do something. I feel I am. Are you on face? Are you on Facebook? Yes, I'm. Yeah, we're friends on let's Facebook. Contact, <laughs> let's, let's contact on Facebook, and we can continue that conversation. Okay, that's we great. will. But thank, thank you for calling. You made me homesick. <laughs> <laughs> Take care. Thanks so right. much for calling, Winona. And I, it sounds like you are being called to do something important. So we're going to see you doing that. We're going to see it happen <laughs> for you. you. Thanks a lot. And music. Yes, indeed. Bye. Bye. So, Don, you, you brought up some uh, other important things there about uh, the family members and the intergenerational healing. Talk to us some more about that. It is an important part of Wellbriety, and you were talking about the forest. And how do you do intergenerational healing? What is it, and how do you do it? Um, well... The elders gave us to help us find what it was we were supposed to do. They gave us four laws to follow. One was changes from within. The second law was is in order for development to occur, it must be preceded by a vision. The third law is called the great learning law, like baby, youth, adult, elder. The great learning means Everybody has to be in that learning simultaneously. So you cannot be affected just working with the youth, but you got to work with the adults and the elders, and et cetera. Mm-hmm. So, so it's like that, really, when you get the, all the generations involved. How do they influence each other? Why is that so important? We lost our guest again. We lost our connection with him, but we didn't lose him. We just lost the electronic connection. He will be back. So, again, thank you very much for um, joining us here on Spirit of Recovery. It's exciting to hear this uh, wisdom from that Native American tradition and to uh, learn about all that uh, my guest Don has done through the Wellbriety Movement. It's really an important opportunity to bring um, that healing into the Native community. And as you're hearing so much, uh, that wisdom is cross-cultural, that any culture um, can benefit from, from this. And so we're having a wonderful opportunity to hear all that he shares and whatever our cultural background is, is to be able to uh, put that into practice in our own lives. Again, you can learn more about Don and about the Wellbriety Movement at www.whitebison.org.
and um, can find out more of what is happening with that. We're still working on getting our electronic connection back with my Hello? guests. Hello? We got you back, Don. Oh, uh, Sorry. That's okay. We knew we didn't really lose you. We just lost the electronic connection. <laughs> so glad you're back. Oh, okay. It's okay. Okay, good. So uh, you were telling us, I was uh, asking and curious about what you were saying that it's good. You have to have all three generations working with them at once. And what is that? How do those different generations influence each other? Why is it important to be working with all three generations at once? Well, um, you have the baby, the youth, the adult, and the elder. So even if you're an adult and you've had wounds when you were growing up, then you have a little girl inside of you. Mm-hmm. And if that little girl is wounded, as you grow up, that you do a lot to protect that so that hurt doesn't happen to you again. Does that kind of make sense? Absolutely it does. Yep. So if you go if you're going to heal, then you've got to address the inner child or the little children in the community because if you train the youth and not the adults, the adults almost unknowingly will sabotage what the youth are learning or doing. Can you give us an example and, of that? How they how did how would an how did adults do that? Uh yeah, I'll give you an example. Uh, my parents uh, all went through boarding school. My mother is a fam- uh, had 16 in her family. There were 11 girls. Now, all those girls were abused uh, physically and sexually in the boarding school. Mm-hmm. My dad also went to the boarding school, and he had that happen. So while they were in the school, they did not learn parenting skills. Uh, the way the boarding school was designed, they were punished if they spoke the language, beaten in a lot of cases. Uh, they, were, they were not parented like parents do. They were in the school. So my parents grew up, and they never, ever said, they never heard the words, that, I love you. So as they came and they met and they got married on our reservation and they started to have babies, do you think that those, either of my parents ever said, I love you? Probably not. No, they didn't. It's not that they didn't do loving things. It's that they never said it. Our family did not touch. We didn't hug uh, because they didn't learn to hug. When we were punished, I didn't understand why my dad punished us the way he did until I found out later on that's the way how he was punished when he was in the boarding school. Mm-hmm. And so what happens is you tend then to pass that on intergenerationally from one person to the next. It is called intergenerational a trauma. Don, thank you. That's an important topic. It's time for a second break, and we're going to hold that thought and come back and really hear about this because this is a very important topic for all people um, and for our cultures. So we'll be right back. Stay with us. A Spirit of Recovery is on a short break, and we'll be with you in a moment. And my guest, Don Coitus. <laughs> Hi, this is Ellen Devonport. The Five Principles was my first book, and here's what I've learned as an author. It's nice to sell a lot of books, but it's truly gratifying to know the book is being read, used, and studied in churches and small groups in the U.S. and beyond. And I get a real kick out of hearing that someone gave The Five Principles to friends who aren't in unity. Because The Five Principles are universal spiritual laws. They operate in everyone's life whether they know it or not. They've been discovered and rediscovered by spiritual masters for thousands of years. God is all there is. We are expressions of God. We create our experience with the power of our thoughts. We align ourselves with the well-being of the universe through prayer and meditation. And we live the truth we know every day in every decision. Just five principles, they cover it all. Buy the book at unity.org. 
God is formless, yet takes many forms. What goes around comes around. Chant the name of the Lord and be free. No one comes to the Father except through me. Ever been confused by the variety and apparent contradiction within world religions? Join Reverend Paul John Roach every Tuesday for insight into those principles held in common by all the great religious traditions in world spirituality, exploring the unity within all cultures and faith traditions. Using discussions, interviews, humor, insight, and practical advice, we will clarify the confusion and reveal simple yet profound truths. Call in with your questions and ideas and help break down the barriers that separate us from one another. That's World Spirituality with Paul John Roach, Tuesdays at 11 a.m. Pacific, 2 p.m. Eastern, here on Unity FM, the voice of an awakening world. You've been listening to Spirit of Recovery, the place where spirituality and recovery meet with Reverend Anna Schaus, Ph.D. If you have a question, comment, or experience with today's topic you'd like to share, call us now or email us at spiritofrecovery at unity.fm. We now return to Spirit of Recovery. Welcome back to the Spirit of Recovery. We're very glad that you're listening with us today. If you're just joining us, our topic is the Wellbriety Movement, Native American Wisdom for Intergenerational Healing. And my guest is Don Coyhis. He's the founder and president of White Bison, um, which is a, a hub for the Wellbriety Movement, and which uh, and he is the founder of the Wellbriety Movement following a vision that he had many years ago um, that he was being called to do some work in spiritual growth and recovery. And um, Don is a member of the Mohican Nation, and he's a recipient of the 2009 Purpose Prize for his work um, on important societal issues. So, Don, uh, before the break, you were talking with us about what intergenerational healing is and telling us about how important it is um, uh, that adults heal their inner children, their inner lives, so that they can pass on what's good to their children. So... um, Tell us some more about that. What What is it that adults need to do? What? How can we work with children and how can we heal ourselves so that we can really move forward? Well, I, I think a part of the big picture to that um, is um, while the boarding school era was going on, at the same time there was a genocide going on with Native people, meaning by 1920, 99% of all Native people had been killed off. So this isn't in history books, it's not told, it's not taught, but it's very easy to find out how great that assault was. Mm-hmm. So what happened was then those survivors, they learned to keep secrets. Mm-hmm. Besides, you had no place to go. So there's a saying, I, you know, it's in a program for some irony, but it says, uh, individual is sick as its secrets. Mm-hmm. That a family is sick as its secrets. The community is sick of this secret. Well, what happened was in our communities, those survivors, uh, they they didn't tell anybody anything. You couldn't because there was no place to tell. So what we taught inside of ourselves to one another was to keep secrets. Mm-hmm. But not only that, in that boarding school, one of the things that we learned was to hurt one another. Uh, they would have, like when a child made a mistake, they'd line up the kids and they'd let that child run through that role. And if anybody didn't hit them hard enough, then they themselves had to run through it. So we learned like to be violent to each other. Mm-hmm. And so when our children came back home, they, you know, as adults, then for, it was almost a built-in system that we started hurting one another. And I think that hurt people hurt people. Yes. And so that's what, so then that is passed on uh, generation to generation. And it wasn't until just maybe uh, 10, 15 years ago when we started to have our own Native researchers like uh, Dr. Maria Braveheart and I think uh, Theta Newbrest and some of the, the women movers, they started to talk to 
to us about this intergenerational trauma, this historical trauma, and for the first time we started to see that that historical trauma, the intergenerational trauma, could be tied directly to the alcoholism problem today. It could be tied directly to the violence. It could be tied directly to the sexual abuse. In other words, alcohol is not the, it's a symptom. It's not the cause. Quitting mm-hmm. drinking doesn't. And it's the same way with violence. It's not the, it's a symptom of something else. The sexual abuse is a symptom of something else. And for us as Native people, what the research shows and what we find that we have to address when we heal from the intergenerational trauma and how we do that is by bringing back the culture, mm-hmm. bringing back those traditions. And I think you're, you're, you're seeing, um, there's like a synchronicity to me in the healing going on in our Native communities. Uh, it's, uh, I think like the Well Bridey movement was not an accident. Mm-hmm. I think it was on purpose. I think, I don't know if you heard of this, I don't know more that's going on among the indigenous communities all over the world now. Tell us about a, that. Like in the, sorry? What is that? What, is that? what did you call that? It's called Idle No More. Idle? It, it's a Idle, uh-huh. I-D-L-E. Oh, okay. It's a movement oh, that is idle. going on. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know about the healing, and I don't think that, that these things are like an accident no more. And What's so this intergenerational trauma... Um, what uh, we have designed a program is called Mending Broken Hearts. But we're not the only ones that are that are involved in this. I, I don't like to do these things. I think the Well Body Movement is the only game in town. It's there's uh, there's wellness institutes and there are trainers and uh, other healing organizations. They're doing. We each got a piece of it. You know, and uh, I think we're starting to see where we're working together, uh, you know, with this healing because it's, it's complex. It's, it's not a simple thing, but when we bring our our resources, you know, together, uh, and it's sort of like this in the last 20 years, there are now thousands of us are sober. You know, it's not here and there, and it's not five, six, seven months. I'm 34 years sober. I'm not a big deal in Indian country. And people are sober in their 20s, you don't blink an eye. Mm-hmm. There are so many are sober and they're coming back to the culture and they're learning the songs and spending time with the kids. And that, I'm not trying to paint a picture that we're there either. Mm-hmm. But we, we know, uh, many of us, we know the steps in a circle work, um, we know that there's uh, books like the Red Road to Wellbriety book. There's a language in in the wellness movement in Native communities that, uh, I, I mean, how do you work intergenerational trauma using the 12 steps? Is that possible to do that? Uh, is there a place for a ceremony with the 12 steps? And, and you know, and there is. We, we, there's many of us are doing that type of approach now. But we know this intergenerational trauma is a key to us stopping passing down the intergenerational from one generation to the next. So we got to pass on intergenerational healing, not the trauma. Right, right. And so I you think get that shows, healing at I death. think shows like I think mm-hmm. shows like yours are just so awesome because you can have this message and start this dialogue where people are saying, yeah, we can do this. Mm-hmm. You know, this mm-hmm. is a wide audience, so thank you for doing it. You're welcome. Like, you, you said this to me a little bit ago. Sometimes I pinch myself and wonder, how, how in the world did I get to do this and, and have such great guests like yourself on the air? Because it matters. Yeah, recovery matters. Yeah, recovery matters. I know that uh, we're working on a model, like a Four Directions model, that says uh, treatment in the East, recovery in the South, wellness in the West, and discovery in the North. So it goes treatment, recovery, wellness, and discovery. Mm-hmm. You know, that, 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 that it's an ongoing cycle, you know, of, 
of things. Right. One thing that you uh, I know you're working on, Don, is the uh, getting a presidential apology. Tell us about that and why it matters, because it does matter. Tell us about that. Um, yes. In, uh, in 2009, uh, we made a 7,000-mile journey to 25 boarding schools, and at those schools we videotaped stories of the elders told us what happened to them when they were children and in those boarding schools. Now to that, we made a documentary uh, that can be seen on our website, or if you just write to White Bikes and ask for one, uh, we'll send you one for free, and we we ask you to show it. And that, um, what what a part of that was, uh, the elders gave us a teaching Recognize, acknowledge, forgive, and change. Recognize, we have to recognize what this trauma was, is acknowledge that it did happen, and then to forgive, and then to make a change. And so the Canadian government, they made an apology to the First Nations people in Canada, as well as the Premier uh, made the apology in Australia to the Aboriginal people. So, um, on December 19th, in the evening of 2009, there was an appropriations bill signed by President Obama. Inside of that appropriations bill was a a law that he signed that passed both Congress and the House that instructed the President to make this apology to the Native people. Nobody knows about it because it was hidden inside of a defense appropriations bill. So we're not asking for a favor. We're asking to have a law implemented that was signed and approved by Congress and the president himself. Mm -hmm. So what we feel is... uh, that recognize, acknowledge, if you could get the United States government to recognize its role in what it did, I think I think that it will, it will accelerate the ability to press going to healing, but we, our healing is not conditional on whether they apologize or not. So what the elders told us is recognize, acknowledge, forgive. So they give us four teachings around forgiveness. They said in order for us to be free from this intergenerational trauma, one of the things we were going to have to do is to forgive, and that would be our last test. So in the East is your normal forgiveness, like you bump into somebody and you say, oh, I'm sorry. And then in the South is one that they call forgiving the unforgivable. And then in the West was a type of forgiveness that you forgive yourself. You know, sometimes you, you could have just done something really stupid. And it's very, sometimes it's harder to forgive yourself than it is to forgive others. And then in the North is a type of forgiveness that you forgive to set the spirit free. So our job in the North on this forgiveness is not only to forgive, but those who did it, they're carrying around the shame and the guilt of their ancestors having done it. We both must be free. Right. Does that, mm-hmm. does that make sense? Absolutely, it does. So, it really does. The intergenerational trauma is just not for us to forgive what to happen, but to allow those who are the descendants of those who did it, for them to be free, too. Right. And that's, that's that powerful. forgiveness. And then that's... the change means to come back to the spirituality. Right. Where we really do know that we're all all in that circle together, and it's a real circle. It's not just a make-nice circle, but we've really done the work. Yeah, it is, and I think it's during during these times, these lessons, you know, we'll start to come to the realization that the real world is there are not four races. God did not make races of human beings. He made a human race. Right. And our elders, what they tell us is that when we're inside of the womb, 
It is there where the Creator gives to each one of us what they call the Earth Suit. Right. I, this is great, but unfortunately, our time is up. I really, we're going to have you back, Don. I know you're a busy guy, but we're going to have you back on here because we want to hear all this. And listeners, well, thank, thank you, you for, so much for having this available for people to share recovery. Thank you. You're welcome. It's a, it's a really, it's a joy. And Don, thank you. And for all that you do, thanks for the Wellbriety movement. And thanks to all of you for listening. And uh, we will have Don back and we'll be back next week. God bless and have a wonderful week. Thank you much. Thank you for tuning in to Spirit of Recovery with Reverend Anna Schaus, Ph.D., and her guests. Join Anna and her guests live every Tuesday at 4 p.m. Central, 2 p.m. Pacific for down-to-earth ideas on keeping spirituality in the heart of your recovery. Spirit of Recovery, only on Unity FM, the voice of an awakening world. This program is brought to you in part by Soul Matters Ministry in Olympia, Washington, committed to bringing light to the soul. Online at www.soulmatters-spiritworks.org. You know the saying, a good deed is its own reward? Well, moving toward a plant-based diet and vegan lifestyle is one kind and compassionate act that isn't just its own reward. It will also reward you with vibrant health, boundless energy, an easy way to keep your weight where you want it, and according to Yogi's and Unity's co-founder Charles Fillmore, even give a boost to your spiritual life. On Main Street Vegan, the radio program named for the popular book, Victoria Moran will make your move in a vegan direction easy, fun, affordable, and delicious. With enticing topics and entertaining guests every Wednesday at 2 p.m. Central Time, only on Unity Online Radio, the voice of an awakening world. In quiet moments of prayer, let go of any concern. Anchor your trust deep in the realization that with God all things are possible. Never doubt it for a single moment. This meditative moment is brought to you by Unity. Are you ready for the next steps on your spiritual path? If you are, you won't want to miss the Yoga Hour, Living the Eternal Way, with Reverend Ellen Grace O'Brien from the Center for Spiritual Enlightenment in San Jose, California. Essential insights and practices from the ancient yoga science of self-realization show us how to live healthier, happier, more balanced lives. The benefits of spiritually conscious living start now. For a time-tested method to live with purpose and realize your infinite potential, tune in to the Yoga Hour, Living the Eternal Way, with Reverend Ellen Grace O'Brien, every Thursday morning at 10 Central, 8 a.m. Pacific, only on Unity FM, the voice of an awakening world. Have you ever considered that everything you think and say is a prayer to the universe? Are you sending a positive or negative message? Join Reverend Beverly Molander and her guests on Affirmative Prayer, Activating the Power of Yes, to find out how they activated the power of yes in their lives, their communities, or the world. If they can do it, you can too. Listen to Beverly Molander and her guests live every Monday at noon Central, 1 p.m. Eastern on Affirmative Prayer, activating the power of yes, only on Unity Online Radio, the voice of an awakening world. Do you want to deepen your connection to the divine, speed up your progress on the spiritual path, then tune in to the Spirit Matters podcast. I'm the host, Philip Goldberg, 
and I interview experts with wisdom, insight, and practical guidance for every seeker of truth. Spirit Matters on the mindbodyspirit.fm network. Subscribe wherever you get your podcasts.